Hello everyone, Tiger here. I just wanted to give a quick explanation for what you're about to hear. The audio on my end was a little bit screwy, so there are parts where afterward it'll sound like a robot. By the next episode, that should be fixed, and you should still be able to hear what I say in this episode. I just wanted to let you guys know. Enjoy the episode. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 13 of Geeks and Games. This is going to be our unluckiest episode yet. No, it won't. <laughs> oh, um, uh, we should have done something creepy. Oh well. Yeah, we um, missed our shot. Uh, last episode, when I was explaining the reasoning behind Final Fantasy 3's title, I screwed it up a little bit, so I'm going to give a quick recap. So, by the time... Final Fantasy VI was out, and they wanted to release it to America. There were two Final Fantasy games that were already in America that had been localized in number two and number four. Um, three, five, and six were eventually re-released after Final Fantasy VII came out, and the second one, too. But by the time Final Fantasy VI came to America, it was only the third one. And then they decided to regularly localize Final Fantasy 7 as that also in America. So I hope that makes more sense. <laughs> I found somewhere that there was a character that some people might have thought to be in Smash, but is deconfirmed. So one of the video games that won a couple of awards at the Game Awards was called Hades. And the main character, Zagreus, there was a possibility he was going to be a fighter, but it ended up not working out. Or something like that. So anyway, he's not going to be in Smash. I really hope the next character is going to be Crash Bandicoot or somebody. That'd be cool. And there was a detail that I missed in the Years in Gaming that I forgot to put on the Years in Gaming last week. So on December 12th, 1991, the Sega CD came out. I'm going to go through a couple of things that came out on that system so it sold 2,240,000 units kind of impressive both its best-selling game and what's regarded as its best game is sonic cd what people regard as the worst game is sewer shark and the rarest game is called keo flying squadron i mentioned this before but pen and teller smoke and mirrors which we discussed in our worst games ever episode was also on the Sega CD and this game called Night Trap that kind of led to the ESRB getting enacted. One of the details I try to find is the last game released for the system. It was Shadowrun. It was released in 1996. All right. That took a little bit of searching. But... Some games required both the 32X and the Sega CD, which we'll get to in a couple of episodes. But all right, the next thing is there is an anniversary that I probably should have covered last time, but the Resident Evil series is turning 25 this year on March 22nd. We're recording this on the 29th, and by the time you're hearing this, it'll be in April. 
But still, happy birthday, Resident Evil. It's a game I've never played because mainly because I hate horror games. Mm-hmm. I uh, copy you on that. <laughs> also, by the time you're listening to this, Super Mario Bros. 35 will not be available to play. And you can't make levels in the original Super Mario Maker on the Wii U anymore. Or uh, what was the other one? You can't buy Super Mario 3D All-Stars digitally, but I'm sure you'll find it somewhere. Anyway, our special topic for today's episode, I actually have something else lined up in a minute that you probably already saw coming because of the title. But we are going to be counting down our top seven video game bosses of all time. So, first off, my number seven boss is going to be Galim from Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. I'm pretty sure it's pronounced Galim, but anyway, I really like his design. Um, Darkon is a pretty similar boss, but I think I like Galim better. Mm-hmm. And he's basically the main boss of the story adventure mode in Smash Ultimate World of Light. He has some... Very cool attacks, one of which he summons bombs that go out in an X pattern, and you have to try to figure out how to avoid them. He fires many projectiles at you, and he also summons some Smash Bros. fighters in shadow form for a little bit before they explode. Darkon's also pretty interesting, and if you fight them both at once, which is the final boss in Smash Ultimate, it's really cool. All right, what's your number seven, Yoshimitsu? My number seven is uh, Metaton from the uh, game Undertale. Uh, a, he has a smasher of a main theme. Uh, B, he's just a hilarious character. That is my cat, sorry. Um, he, he's a very strange dancing robot, and uh, I kind of like that. Nice. Yeah, he's pretty funny. Okay, what's your number six? All right, so my number six is going to be Megaleg from Super Mario Galaxy. Just a warning from here on out, most of them are going to be either Mario or Rayman bosses. I'm not surprised (laughs) whatsoever. Yeah, so Megaleg is this boss that's in the style of the game Shadow of the Colossus, and that you sort of climb up his giant leg... And then there are bullet bills around him. And the grand star you need to get is in a cage, but the cage is surrounded by giant metal walls. So you need to get the bullet bill to smash one of the metal walls so they can then go through and break the cage. But you can't wait too long. Or, I mean, you can try to break all the walls and then go through the cage, but they'll eventually respawn. So there's quite a bit of strategy involved. Plus, there's this glitch where you don't need to take a launch star to get to him, and you can instead just jump to him. And it's pretty fun. Anyway, I still think he's a very creative boss. But anyway, the whole jump glitch is if you jump at just the right point on the planet before the fight, he will be inactive. And you can just um, take some time exploring uh, the boss when he's inactive. But if you stand in a very specific spot, that activates the cutscene and then the actual fight. So that was pretty cool. Um, Yoshimitsu, what's your number six? My number six is the character Max from Streets of Rage 4. In uh, Streets of Rage 2, he's a playable character. He's kind of the bruiser, uh, heavy-hitting character. But in Streets of Rage 4, they brought him back, and you fight him once as a mind-controlled, basically, zombie. Um, Interesting. And it's sad to say, but he is much, 
much stronger as an opponent than he is as a playable character in in kind of a pain. Um, Yeah, same bruiser style. And he has a very good uh, theme as well, uh, as quite a few of my bosses do. Um, But yeah, cool character design too. Kind of like Zangief in that all he wears really are boxer shorts and shoes. Actually, I, does Zangief even does Zangief even wear shoes? I, I'm pretty sure he does. Okay, yes, okay. And I just have to say, Zangief was one of my favorite characters from Wreck It Ralph. He's like, you will crush your opponent like sparrow's egg between thighs. Like sparrow's eggs between thighs. And then like the part where Ralph's going through the box at Tappers and then he finds Zangief's underwear and then he dresses yep. up that guy from Gross. Heroes Duty in them. Yeah, that that was a pretty fun movie. Yeah, it was. Um, so my number five is going to be Carnivora from Rayman Origins. And it's the first boss in the game. So at the end of the gibberish jungle, he's also in Rayman Legends because many, many of the Origins levels have been translated to Legends as part of the Back to Origins section. And so what you do is the first stage of it is first you walk through. It seems like nothing's going to happen. And then all of a sudden you see this giant, this giant, ugly red monstrosity of a creature that was a plant. And then what he does is he climbs up this upwards area that you also have to climb up making sure you're ahead of him and then you reach the fighting area in which he has this attack where he goes on the ceiling and tries to crush you with this head and eventually this little pink spot appears that's his weak spot and then you have to hit it then hit him three times and he turns back into the little flower king that he once was sounds like a pain so i mentioned this on my scratch account but i'm actually writing a book about a Rayman that combines the plot of origins and legends. And so my explanation for why the flower King turned into the Daisy is because the teensy bad guy, who's a bad guy throughout them convinced him to drink a potion that he said would make him stronger. And then that ended up turning him into the big bad guy. Well, a big bad guy. Anyway, uh, what's your number five? My number five is probably Sans. And that's not because of his boss fight. It's actually because I love him as a character. It's kind of just, well, he's he's the comic relief. Absolute goof. He's um, very, very funny. And uh, Megalovania is an amazing track. Um, fight me on that, I dare you. <laughs> um, but yeah, not much more to say. Uh, Sans is Sans. You can't really, yeah. It's Actually, the best I can really describe it. Cool. I registered for the My Nintendo Rewards program, and I registered a couple of games that I happen to have on hand, and I had enough to... So I bought the Sans Me costume for Smash Ultimate that also came with the Megalovania music track. Hmm. I, th- I think it was well worth it. Normally, they only cost about 75 cents. Okay. All right, so... and. Um, my number four is going to be the Ruined Dragon from Super Mario Odyssey. He's kind of reminiscent of a boss from Dark Souls or Skyrim because he's this giant dragon. He's like a purple smog kind of. So what happens is in the arena, he like smacks his head down. These purple shockwaves emanate and then you have to go on his head and use 
Cappy to get the little rings from well not rings but they were like little pulls on his head that keep his crown in place and then you have to remove the crown and then ground pound his weak spot it's one of the most engaging boss fights in the game anyway uh what's your number four my number four has to be green from gunstar heroes um i mean green as the character green uh he pretty much actually just a mind-controlled zombie kind of like max in uh sword four but um in uh gunstar heroes he's uh he's one of your friends who got mind controlled by the empire and uh he's being used to do bad things but he has a kind of similar outfit to the characters you play as uh and uh he's got some really cool attacks his hair is kind of wacky and um good just good music as well gunstar heroes is an incredible game if you played that game i have not uh I'll send it you probably came in a sega legacy collection that is on a system i own somewhere probably i think it came out with the genesis mini i can i can send you a link to a um emulator uh version later um, um anyways thanks but do you want to do honorable mentions? Do you even have any? Um, I save honorable mentions for after n- before number one. Uh, okay, that that works. Yeah. All right. So anyway, my number three is going to be yet another Rayman Origins boss called the Mama of All Nightmares. So she's probably the ugliest boss ever. Her arms are very spindly and she has these nasty claws and has a billion eyeballs. So what you do is at the very end of, so in Rayman Origins, beating the tricky treasure levels, which has some of the best music in the game, you unlock one skull tooth for every tricky treasure you take down. Get all 10 skull teeth in the dead guy that guards this portal in the snoring tree, grants you access to the land of the livid dead. And after you go through the land of the livid dead with some very tough platforming, you fight the mama of all nightmares. And what you do is you sort of have to crawl on her arms and then beat her weak spot. She tries to like, when you're crawling on one of her arms, she has like these claw-like growths on her elbows. So she tries to like stab you with them while you're running on her arms. And it's, it's so creative and cool. All right. So what's your number three? Uh, my number three is Shiva from the game, uh, game Streets of Rage 4. He's a grandmaster of a town you have to go through in the sixth stage. Uh, yet again, his uh, theme is amazing. Uh, it made my top ten uh, when we did that. And the Streets of Rage 4 soundtrack is also on my top ten. Great soundtrack. The boss, his attacks are really cool kind of like chi based or not karate but yeah sort of martial arts physical attacks he'll summon ghosts to attack you uh his his attacks all have like this purple kind of trail effect kind of just very very cool character uh he's unlockable in his streets of rage 3 form as a playable character later on in the game and it takes a lot of points in streets of rage 4 they actually added functionality to the points you can unlock past characters from the other games, which is really cool. Anyways, what is your right. number two? All right, so my number two is going to be the last Rayman, the last Rayman boss on this list. 
um, the Cloud of Darkness from Rayman Legends. He is the final boss, and it took me forever to be at that level, but once I did, I realized how much fun he was. So he's like, um, composed of these giant black spider creatures that are following you throughout the final world of the game. They all amass themselves into one creature, and what you have to do is you sort of have to beat him up so the spider creatures, like, come out of him bit by bit, and then once he's reduced to very little, you move on to the next phase, and there are three phases, the final one of which is the hardest. And then after you beat it, it's so satisfying. In the background, you can see this giant Cyclops just playing a harp. And then you punch the villain of the game, the dark teensy character I mentioned earlier, into oblivion, into space, which is what you did before, but then all five of them. Yeah, there are five of them. Forgot to mention that. Then the credits start, and you can, like, see these. So he gets he goes headfirst into a crater on a moon, and then these little devil characters poke him, and then he makes a noise, and then that sort of turns into the credit song. That was pretty cool. That's All right. Funny. So anyway, bef- what's your number two, Yoshimitsu? Uh, my number two is Seven Force, also from Gunstar Heroes. So Seven Force and Green are technically different characters. Uh, Green, uh, as the Gunstar character, has this special machine. It's kind of like an ultimate transformer in that it completely reassembles itself into one of seven forms. And depending on the difficulty of the game, you end up fighting five, six, or seven of them. Um, Some of them are kind of easy to cheese. Overall, the boss is kind of... He's hard when you first play the game, but uh, beyond that, he's not too hard. Uh, But the idea of a transforming boss is just really cool. Um, The robot, different. the different patterns also look really cool. He's a... I think he has a crab form, lion form gun form tail form kind of a ball of spikes form that shoots lasers out of all of them um eagle form and then just a base robot form uh all really cool and then you have to fight him again later in space it's kind of a pain um also a pretty good theme not a not as great as some of the other ones but overall really good theme yeah so i guess it's back to you with your honorable mentions yeah my first honorable mention is going to be um, the big Joker robot from Lego Batman 2. So in the level, you're in the Batmobile and the giant robot Joker's following you from behind. And you sort of have to knock down water towers to get him to trip over. Hmm. And... So reckless driving is a good thing then. Oh, well, in this case it is. What is this game teaching us? <laughs> I've never been good at any of the Lego games. I basically just goof around killing uh, uh, NPCs. Um, And the next one I have is King Croacus, the fourth from Super Paper Mario. So my favorite part about the boss is that there are multiple ways to beat him. You can use the hand pixel to throw his three other heads at his main head. Or you can use Bowser to hop on the other heads and then breathe fire at him it's a uh, super creative and then my last one is another rayman legends boss the mechanical dragon Th- not only is that music for the boss one of the best it's also it- it's just super creative i mean i really need to pl- replay rayman legends like discussing it so much really makes you see how good of a game it is 
Anyway, what are your honorable mentions? So for an honorable mention, first off, I have Monster X from Cave Story. Uh, I have not actually played that far into the game. I saw my dad play this boss, and it looked like a cool boss. It also looked like a pain. He probably fought that thing over the course of several hours before he finally beat it. Um, basically, it's a, a rolling... How do I describe it? It's kind of a tank that rolls around uh, and opens up on either end of, like... When you fight bosses in Cave Story, you're trapped in a closed room. Uh, so it'll roll from end to end of the room. Uh, then when it gets to one end, it'll open up and like send out a bunch of projectiles and try to hit you. And that is the only time you can hit it. It has a shield. And when it opens up, you have to hit the shield enough times to deactivate it. And then you can start dealing damage. And then every time it closes up to roll back to the other side, the uh, shield completely regenerates. Uh, it deals damage when it rolls over you and deals damage when uh, it shoots a projectile and hits you. So it's kind of a pain in the butt. When you beat it, it kind of blows up and inside is kind of like a scared cat that just goes flying out. It's kind of ridiculous. Uh, also, uh, honorable mention is Porky uh, from Mother 3. His uh, Porky's theme is really good. I've, I would totally... Uh, actually, it was the track I played in my top 10 list. Uh, the track is really long, but I would try listening to the whole thing. And then the final honorable mention is Facade, also from Mother 3. He's kind of just, he's like Zangief in that he's kind of a character who's there as a joke. Um, he's kind of strong, but, uh, I feel like most, he's of just annoying. He comes up a lot. I feel like most of the earth. I feel like most of the earthbound boss fights and just plain enemy fights are there to try to make you laugh. A lot a lot of that game is kind of just small jokes. Like Facade, he's set up to be like this big, big, big bad guy in the game. And uh, spoiler alert, he's a Facade, as his name implies. He's not actually the big boss of the entire game. So it's it's pretty funny. A lot of very clever jokes in that game. You will love it. Actually, Mother uh, Porky is a boss in Super Smash Bros. Brawl. Yes. Which I thought was he's cool. Also, yeah. and then he's the also... He's also in... What? Earthbound. He's also in Earthbound. But, yeah, the weird thing about that is in Earthbound, he's called Pokey because translations. Yeah. He got turned into Porky, and I think uh, in the third one, and um, I don't know if they decided to make it a joke with the translation, but all of the enemies he has under him are pig-based. <laughs> They're called, like, Porkies and stuff like that. When you beat them, they drop, like, pig food, like pig chips and stuff like that. It's pretty funny. I can imagine him, like, leading around a big army of sentient bacon bits or something. <laughs> Yeah, not uh, not. Quite. I think some of the army men are actually pigs. Anyways, all right. Uh, so, so what is your number one? I think I know what it is. All right. So my number one is going to be Bowser from Super Mario Galaxy. And I called it. <laughs> so, um, I think he's also really fun to fight in Super Mario Galaxy, too. But the way it works is you. 
you and Bowser are on this round planetoid and Bowser tries to ground pound you on these like little glass domes that lead to pools of lava and then he runs around his tail on fire and then you have to smack him and then he rolls around on his shell and then you beat him up and then he rolls even faster and then you beat him again and the final final bowser boss has all these different forms that are based on power-ups and enemies that you've fought in powers you've gotten and enemies you fought thus far in the game and it's a really creative ending Unfortunately, you can't skip the credits or the ending cutscene, but it's not like a mighty number nine. Those credits were like four hours because they gave credit to every single member who gave money to the Kickstarter program. Well, at least they did something like that. The older games, um, if you worked on it, the game, you basically got no credit whatsoever. So the developers had to do secret things like the stage where you would go in and see the developer's name. Yeah, like in a that sort of thing. So I mean, good to them for actually crediting people, but they might have gone slightly over the top. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, the very first Should video I game Easter egg was actually. Um, one second. Actually, I was just gonna say that actually the very first video game okay. Easter egg from Adventure was a developer shout out because Atari didn't give developers credit. Anyway, what's your number one? My number one is the Masked Man from Mother Three. Uh, he is one of the characters who uh, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of his boss theme, uh, especially when you fight him at the very end. And I'm sorry, I'm spoiling quite a bit of the game for you. But um, at the very end, his theme is not very good, in my opinion. It's kind of just a bunch of ambient sounds. I don't like it too much. But his character design is super cool. And uh, the way he actually ties into the entire game was it's really well done. Um the game was really well written and it made me cry. Um, so be prepared for that at the end. Anyways, yeah, that right. pretty much ties that up. Nice. Um, I did just want to say that when you were talking about how it's mainly just ambient sounds, it kind of reminds me of Disc 11 from Minecraft. Yeah, I hate that. <laughs> Actually, we were having a discussion I, um, on... I, yeah, Discord. I severely hate Discs 11 and 13. I hate them. There is a special thing that we're going to give credit to in this year in gaming. Take it away, Yoshimitsu. Okay, so year in gaming is 1992. Uh, to kick us off, uh, February 28th, Contra 3 The Alien Wars was released. And I, I think my dad was just showing me this game the other day. It looks interesting. Uh, February um, released the game Super Scope 6. Uh, April 27th, Kirby's Dreamland was released in Japan. wasn't released in the U.S., though, until August 1st. Uh, August 27th, Super Mario Kart was released, uh, not in the U.S., till September 1st. October 15th, a game called Night Trap. October 21st, Super Mario Land 2, Wario, which is probably what you're about to comment on. Um wasn't released in the U.S. though until November 2nd. November 21st, Sonic 2, Yoshi. Anyway, I just uh, wanted to say okay. real quick that with uh, Super Mario Land 2, Six Golden Coins, it's the first appearance of Wario in a video game. So that's why I played yeah, there. Yeah, that's, I mentioned that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, continue. November 21st was Sonic 2 and uh, Yoshi. She's cookie. 
which wasn't released until April of 1993 in North America. On the 22nd, the so- Sonic uh, comic series became a thing. Uh, December 4th, Mega Man 5 was released. December 6th, Final Fantasy 5. December 20th, uh, saw the release of one of my favorite games, Streets of Rage 2. Uh, and at some point throughout the year, tu- Turbo Touch 360, Mortal Kombat, Thunder Force 4, and Musha LS were released. I added Thunder Force 4 and Musha LS because I love their soundtrack. All right. So anyway, the Turbo Tetris 360, I've mentioned this before, but instead of a D-pad, the way it works is you sort of slide your finger on this little pad that sort of senses your inputs like a phone touch screen would. Hmm. And on the rest of these, so the Super Scope 6 was a game that the Super Nintendo Super Scope came bundled with. Yoshi's Cookie is a puzzle game, so that I hope that clears up any any confusion. But anyway, the special commemoration we're doing this episode is su- the Mario Kart series, which started with Super Mario Kart in 1992. And yes, I know we already covered these games in every Mario Kart game, but I wanted to go a bit more in-depth and discuss some interesting details that are in each of the games. So starting with the first game, Super Mario Kart introduced... All, basically all the staples of Super Mario Kart. Mario, Luigi, Princess Peach, Bowser, Toad, Yoshi, Koopa Troopa, and Donkey Kong Jr. were all playable characters. Yeah, that's right. Donkey Kong Jr. never came back. He's a very odd inclusion. Um, It introduced the classic items of the Red Shell, Green Shell, Banana, Lightning, and Boo, as well as the Cape Feather. Cape Feather wouldn't come back until... Mario Kart 8 Deluxe in the battle mode exclusive. Same with the Boo, I guess. The Boo's also in Mario Kart 64, Super Circuit, and DS. Um, Instead of the question mark blocks that you hit to get items being out of the track, they're flat and put into the track. So the inspiration behind this game was F-Zero, which was a launch game for the Super Nintendo. It was super fast-paced, and they kind of wanted to make a go-kart racing game that was a little bit more aimed at kids. And the guy who had the idea for it when he pitched it didn't think of it as a Mario racer. He pictured it as a guy in overalls, which is what Mario is coincidentally being the main character. It eventually morphed into Super Mario Kart. And I've played it before. And the steering is awful. I mean, if you have Switch Online, it's a game that's worth playing, but it's just kind of hard to get used to. And the CPUs don't play fair either. They have items that only they can use. The Poison Mushroom, Egg, and Fireball. One of the Bowser Castle tracks, I think it was the second one, had this Lee Epic Troll where there's a part where you go through a turn and it looks like it'll go through, but then there's a little stop sign at the end. So Nintendo trolled us. And in the original Japanese version, when Peach and Bowser win, they chug champagne. When Peach does this, her face gets red and with Bowser just like leaks out of his mouth. So they changed that with the American release for obvious reasons. And there's actually this interesting review for a news story about the game from a November 1992 issue of this comic called the Daily Yomiuri that said, quote, the most recent game, Mario Kart, 
features races between Mario and his evil brother, Luigi, on a total of 24 Formula One-style racing circuits. I thought that was so interesting. Um, also, it appears that like a giant cheap cheap is the one that's officiating these races, but I've heard theories that throughout the whole Mario chronology, the point is after going on adventures, he became so rich, he sort of floundered into more extravagant uh, hobbies, go-kart racing being one of them. Anyway, the next one is Mario Kart 64, which released on the Nintendo 64 in 1996, and it is so far the only main Mario Kart game I have never played. I'll get there eventually. So it replaced the character of Donkey Kong Jr. with Donkey Kong and replaced Koopa Troopa with Wario. Originally, it was going to be Kamek. And the Donkey Kong model was actually provided by Rare, who made the Donkey Kong uh, Country series. They eventually left Nintendo to become a subsidiary of Microsoft. And the, so the items it introduced were the Golden Mushroom Fake Item Box and Blue Shell, which is called the Spiny Shell in that game. Actually, the Spiny Shell was mainly released because... It got the game was kind of glitchy when it wouldn't work right, so they kind of changed the settings in the game to make it look a little, look and act a little differently. And no, hold on, I made a mistake. So Kamek was going to be in the game instead of Donkey Kong, not Wario. I think that's what it was. It was originally called Super Mario Kart R before it was named Mario Kart 64. And this game also introduced the triple items, triple red shells, triple green shells, and the banana bunch. And the noises that Yoshi makes when driving, instead of being his usual Yoshi noises, he makes weird little noises that he made in Super Mario World because the modern idea of what Yoshi sounds like didn't come into play until Yoshi's Story was released on the Nintendo 64 two years after this game did. I'm sorry if my audio throughout this whole thing is sounding corrupted or whatever. I hope that all of this fixed by next episode. Um, in the track Royal Raceway, you can drive up to Peach's Castle, which was literally ported from Super Mario 64. You can't go inside it, but it's a very nice addition. When you drop from a jump, you're look, um, there's some text below the cart that makes the noise poomp, which I always thought was pretty funny. And when you blow up a bomb, it makes the noise bomb instead of boom, which I also thought was pretty funny. Um... There were some advertisements along the wall in in the courses in the original Japanese version that weren't made in the original version. One of which was Marioro, which was a play on the cigarette company Marlboro. It's probably understandable why that one didn't come to America. Um, in the Bowser's Castle track in Mario Kart 64, there's a thwomp trapped in a cage. Many people had outrageous fan theories that you could unlock him and play as him. Very interesting. And actually, the Thwomp laugh in the game is actually Wario's laugh, but slowed down slightly. Kind of like how the Boo laugh in Super Mario 64 is the Bowser laugh sped up. I thought that was pretty cool. When you get fourth place, something very odd happens. So the winning, it shows you like behind all the other three racers. And then the music starts slowing down, getting kind of somber and creepy. And then you disappear over a hill and then a bomb cart follows along and blows you up. Yay. Um... <laughs> So the light and the one last thing is the lightning item in the game in the original version when it would flash it would play a flashing light pattern that was reduced 
a bit when it was re-released on the Wii Virtual Console. Um, some tracks in it that are pretty interesting that I wanted to note is Rainbow Road, which has probably the best Mario Kart song ever. And Wario Stadium, which is the only game, the only track from this game that has yet to become a retro track in another Mario Kart game. So that was pretty cool. And it also introduced the Battle Mode Stage Block Fort, which came back in Mario Kart DS and is seen as one of the best um, Mario Kart Battle Courses ever. And anyway, that ends up this one. The next one is Mario Kart Super Circuit, which released on the Game Boy Advance in 2001. It has the same roster as the Mario Kart 64. Uh, didn't introduce any new items, not much to say. It introduced a new mode called Quick Run, where you can add your own rules, turn items on and off, you know, that kind of thing. I thought it was pretty cool. Um, the tracks Cheeseland, Sky Gardens, and Sunset Wilds, I think, all are amazing aesthetically. Cheeseland and Su Sky Gardens I f eventually came to Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Sunset Wild is yet to receive one. They're actually little shy guy Native Americans in teepees, and then the sun sets, and it becomes night as you progress through it, and I thought that was so cool. Um, you can actually unlock every single track from Super Mario Kart in Mario Kart Super Circuit if you go through every get a gold rank gold cup on every cup and then 100 coins in every cup then you unlock super mario kart thought that was pretty cool um and in the rainbow road of this game bowser's castle below peach's castle from the original paper mario is visible in the background i thought that was cool on to what many people consider the best mario kart game mario kart double dash so it introduced the characters of Daisy, the Koopa Paratroopa, Toadette, Birdo, Baby Mario, and Luigi, Diddy Kong, Bowser Jr., King Boo, and Petey Piranha. It also introduced the concepts of special items. So Bowser and Bowser Jr. got the Bowser shell. Mario and Luigi got fireballs. Peach and Daisy got this item called the heart, which kind of acts as the same thing as triple green shells. But if somebody fires an item at you... You get that item if you have the heart. It kind of acts as like a shield. It's pretty cool. Then there's the egg, which kind of functions as a red or green shell if you have Birdo or Yoshi. The chain jumps give you an extra speed boost if you use Baby Mario or Baby Luigi. Um, triple red shells or triple green shells if you use the Koopa Troopa or Koopa Paratroopa. I don't know why that was a special item. The bob if you're Wario or Waluigi. The golden mushroom if you're Toad or Toadette. A giant banana peel if you're Donkey Kong or Diddy Kong. And you can use every special item if you get uh, Petey Piranha and King Boo. But you can only get those if you get gold in all the mirror mode tracks, which you can only unlock if you get gold cup through the all cup tour. Um, it introduces interesting function called LAN play where you can hook up four game cubes. You can play with 16 players at once. It's sounds so amazing um donkey kong J jr was considered to make a return appearance in this game but he was eventually replaced with diddy kong but it also introduced double question mark blocks which gave you two items at once that was so cool also uh on the cover of mario kart double dash Louis, the L on luigi's hat is backward you have to look very closely but yep it's backward 
some people thought that it was meant to represent mirror mode. But if you look at the Donkey Kong emblem on Donkey Kong's cart, that one's not reversed. So very odd. Probably just a design oversight. But anyway, all the tracks take place in the same universe, technically. Like if you look in the background of certain tracks, you can see the framework of other tracks. Like in the background of, I think, Yoshi Circuit, you can see the Daisy Cruiser, which is one of the coolest tracks in the game. And then another track that I think is really cool is Wario Coliseum, which has not made a return appearance as a retro track, unfortunately. All right, the next game is Mario Kart DS, which I think is really cool. Probably one of my favorites. Um, so it introduced the characters of Rob, the robot, and Dry Bones. Rob is the very first um, non-Mario character to be playable in a Mario Kart game. You could also play as the Shy Guy, but only in download play mode. It was actually one of the first the first Mario game to use the Nintendo Wi-Fi connection where you could play with players from around the world. Internet wasn't as readily available then as it is now, but still pretty cool. It also introduced the items of the Bullet Bill, which kind of replaced the Chain Chomp from Double Dash, and the Blooper, which basically obstructed your view of all items on screen. So also for those who don't know, I probably should have explained it. Rob was a robot peripheral that came with the NES as a way to help People buy it after the video game crash of 1983. Probably explained that before. There's this thing called the DS course where in battle mode you can play on a Nintendo DS. That, there was also a GameCube course in Mario Kart Double Dash. That was kind of where it came from. Uh, there's this interesting feature where you can draw an emblem on the front of your cart. And the carts in the game are actually really cool looking. Like Dry Bones can draw drive a tank, which is a pretty cool... Um, car. Uh, it also introduced the mission mode, which has never come back in a Mario Kart game since. But you complete sets of missions, which very cool. I didn't go through it because I didn't have time when I got it. But I still, still think it's pretty cool. Also, when you look at a character, they have stats. And one of the weirdest stats is items. Like, does it... Make the item balance more effective in your favor? I don't know. That's kind of odd. That's this what is... I would guess it means. What? That's what I would guess it means. That makes sense. It also technically introduced the concept of retro track. So it in... each retro cup included a course from the a course from Super Mario Kart, a course from Mario Kart 64, a course from Super Circuit, and a course from Double Dash. I mean, Mario Kart Super Circuit technically did this by including Super Mario Kart, but still, it was technically the first. Um, the Chain Chomp and Bowser Shell were intended to come in this game also, but they were removed. Also, deep in the game's code, there's a version of the stage Waluigi Pinball, which is one of the best uh, Mario Kart stages ever. There's a version of it that looks a bit different, kind of themed around Luigi-ish. Meaning it was probably going to be around Luigi and not Waluigi. I also think the course Airship Fortress is also pretty cool. And both Waluigi Pinball and Airship Fortress are retro tracks in Mario Kart 7, which I'll get to. Um, right after that, we have Mario Kart Wii, which is one of my first games ever. And I still think it's really cool to this day. It introduces the characters of Baby Peach, Baby Daisy, Dry Bowser, Funky Kong, and Rosalina. I thought that was pretty cool. And you could also play as your me for the first time. 
Funky Kong. Yeah, he's one of the most interesting characters in the game. I never unlocked him because the requirements are kind of dumb. Uh, If you want to unlock Rosalina, an interesting way to do it is if you have a Mario Galaxy save file on your Wii, that's a way to unlock her. But you don't have to do it that way. Some people joked about how Rosalina was $40 DLC at the time. And this also kind of works in Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. If you have a Let's Go Pikachu save file on your Switch, it gives you the partner Pikachu spirit. Same with Let's Go Eevee. Anyway, moving on. it intro- Mario Kart reintroduced the items of the Mega Mushroom in POW Block. The ma- they, even though these technically weren't original items, the Mega Mushroom comes from New Super Mario Bros. And the POW Block comes from the original Marios, which released in arcades way back in 1983. Um, I think some interesting courses in the game that I like are Coconut Mall, Mushroom Gorge, and Rainbow Road, which is one of the hardest Rainbow Roads ever that I've played. And the song of it also has kind of a remix of Gusty Garden Galaxy, if you listen really closely. And there are actually star bits in the sky on that course from Mario Galaxy. So that's also pretty cool. Um, <laughs> uh, um... Anyway, (laughs) I'm going to talk about one of Nintendo's greatest and most forgotten characters, Cowboy Jed. So in the commercials for Mario Kart Wii, Cowboy Jed as kind of of like a salesman to persuade you to try Mario Kart Wii. And I think his concept is one of the most interesting characters I've ever seen. Some people think Pappy Van Poodle's forgotten. Who man, this guy he's like the most obscure Nintendo. It's not really a Nintendo character, he just comes from a commercial, but I think it's really cool. Um, just like with Mario Kart DS, this game also worked with a Nintendo Wi-Fi connection. Sadly, that's that won't work anymore since there isn't Wi-Fi on the Wii anymore. But there was a course that was exclusive to online play. It was called Galaxy Coliseum. In the center of the battle course, there was a top main character from Super Mario Galaxy. It's kind of themed after the game, actually. And also, kind of to come with the game, there was a Wii wheel, which was like a little piece of plastic you put your remote into. I always play Mario Kart Wii and Cars the video game, for that matter, with it on, because I think it helps enhance the feeling of the game. Anyway, next up is Mario Kart 7 which released on the 3DS in 2011. I probably should have mentioned this, but Mario Kart re-released on the Wii in 2008. I might have forgotten to mention that. But anyway, so Mario Kart 7. I played this game for the first time yesterday. (laughs) Came in at just the right point. And the characters that you could play as for the first time in it are Lakitu, Metal Mario, and probably the two oddest Mario Kart character inclusions ever, Honey Queen and Wiggler. Honey Queen is a character from Mario Galaxy. So what you do is, on the Honey Hive Kingdom, you climb on her body to collect star bit pieces. Not star bit pieces, just launch star pieces to form a launch star. Because she says, ooh, I have an itch. And then when you're be, It's kind of one of the creepiest uh, levels in a Mario game, to be perfectly honest. And some interesting items it introduces the fire flowers you could fly into... Uh, Fire individual fireballs, I mean. Fireballs were an item in Mario Kart Double Dash, but they work differently in this game. 
Then there was the super leaf, which is kind of lame. You, it just gives you a tanuki tail and you can wiggle it around to sort of like fire off shells. It kind of works like the, it's like a much lamer version of the super horn. And then there's the lucky seven, which gives you seven items in one. I thought that was pretty cool. It also introduced the cart parts and the glider mechanic, which came back in Mario Kart 8. I guess Mario Kart 8 is definitely a much bigger version of this game if you want to get technical, even though it doesn't retain all the stages. And the Rainbow Road in it is regarded as one of the best Rainbow Roads ever. And I think so, too. The uh, Rainbow Road song in that game even has a hint of the Mario Kart 64 Rainbow Road song in it, which I thought was an amazing addition. It also had a first-person mode where you could look at the cart through first-person. And I think there's also a tilt controls option, just like with the Wii. But that was pretty cool. Um, all right, next up is Mario Kart 8 which released on the Wii U in 2014. I mean, I know I said Mario Kart 64 was technically the only Mario Kart game I've never played, but I mean, this one I also haven't played, but I mean, it's a technicality. You'll see why in a second, but it introduced the characters of Baby Rosalina, Pink Gold Peach. You could play as the Koopalings, all seven of them, Sans Bowser Jr. Uh, Tanuki Mario, Cat, and the characters of Tanuki Mario, Cat Peach, Link from Legend of Zelda, Villager from Animal Crossing, and Isabel, also from Animal Crossing, all came as DLC. Um, this YouTuber I watched, Nathaniel Bandy, I mentioned him last episode. He hates Pink Gold Peach so much. Especially in, well, it's mainly earlier in his career. I think he's a bit more indifferent to her now, but still. Um, it introduced the items of the Boomerang Flower Piranha Plant, which is such a cool item. It kind of works like the Chain Chomp, but a little bit different. Uh, the Super Horn, which helps defend off blue shells and other things, and I think it's so cool. And the Crazy 8, which is kind of the version of the Lucky 7 from Mario Kart 7, but I can't remember what item it had. Oh, a coin. That's what it added. Also, coins return as items from Super Mario Kart. Yay. I mean, coins were in Mario Kart, Super Mario Kart and Mario Kart Super Circuit as a way to collect them on the course. But when you really need an item that's that'll help you, and then you get a coin. That It really helps. Coins weren't an item in Mario Kart 7, but they were in Mario Kart 8. Um, it also brought back the Mario Kart 64 Rainbow Road as a retro track, which is a super cool version. And one of the few things that's on the Wii U version that the Switch version doesn't have is stamps. Like, if you meet certain requirements, you can collect stamps, which when it was around, at least, you could post to the online Nintendo community Miiverse. You could do the same thing with Super Mario 3D World, but they put the they kept the stamps in the ba Mario 3D World Bowser's Fury port. You just can't post in the Miiverse. But with the Mario Kart 8 version, however, I think they took them out entirely. And through a sponsorship deal, you can play as Mercedes-Benz cars <laughs> in this game. It has like the GLA and the couple of roadsters. Hashtag not sponsored. <laughs> Um, and anyway, the last Mario Kart game, actually not last, Mario Kart, it's the most recent mainline one, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, which released on the Switch in 2017. The only new characters it released that Mario Kart 8 didn't was Inklings. As for some interesting characters they brought back that are only on the Deluxe version and not the original is Dry Bowser, Dry Bones, Bowser Jr., and King Boo.
And the main thing that differentiates this from the original Wii U game is the battle mode. It is much more fleshed out. And their Renegade Roundup is a brand new mode in it. And I think it's so cool. It kind of takes the Piranha Plant item, but you use it to catch members of the other team. It's kind of like cops and robbers, but in Mario Kart. And it also brought back the items Kate Feather and Boo, like I mentioned back in the first one. And not just in battle mode, but in the regular game, it brought back the uh, double item box, which is super cool. Anyway, so that's the last main Mario Kart game, but there are a couple of others. There's Mario Kart Tour, which released on the iOS in 2019, which had some interesting characters, including Baby Detective Rosalina and German Luigi. And basically, they do cups and tours. They have some retro tracks, some new tracks. It's pretty interesting. Never played it. I mean, I have played it, but it seems very dumb. There's a bunch of microtransactions and whatnot. And then there's, lastly, there's the Mario Kart Arcade titles. Mario Kart Arcade GP, GP2, and GP Deluxe. The first one released in 2005 and introduced the item of the Thundercloud. But in the first game, you could play as the characters of Pac-Man, Miss Pac-Man, and Ghost. Since these games, and the Ghost from Pac-Man, because these games were developed by Bandai Namco instead of by Nintendo, one of the first Mario Kart games to do so. The second one introduced the character of Mamechi from the Tamagotchi series, which were very popular in the early 2000s. And then Mario Kart Arcade GP Deluxe introduced the character of Donchan from the popular Japanese drum games, uh, Taiko no Tatsujin. I think they're called Drum Master, but there's also an interesting character that pops up as uh, a character you have to race like an NPC in some cases, Robo Mario, which if you look closely at his hat, he's developed by Professor E. Gad, who developed Luigi's Poltergust vacuum. And he also developed the flood pack and the paintbrush that Bowser Jr. uses in Mario Sunshine. And this game has one of the weirdest hidden details in video game history, I think. It's right up there with the Sonic CD Majin thing. So... In the game's code, there are three things that they said were to test the photo feature in the game. One is just a set of standard color bars. One, which is a little weirder, is a picture of two mascots from a Japanese expo. And the third one's the weirdest one. It's a picture of people escaping the Beslan School hostage crisis. So in Beslan, Russia, in 2004, many students and teachers in the school were taken captive over a thousand people were taken hostage, and I think over a hundred people died. And I think it's a very weird photo to include. Nobody's dying in the photo; it's just a couple of people escaping. But I think the only probable reason this could have been included is one of the people who worked on this game had a family member who was in that crisis and put that picture in there as a way to like pay homage or something. So it's a very very odd easter egg so anyway that covers basically all the mario kart arcade games excluding mario kart arcade vr which is only playable at expos and expos aren't really a thing right now so anyway yoshimitsu i know that was kind of a lot but do you have anything to add uh no i haven't really had much experience with the mario kart games i did when i was seven we were moving houses and uh we visited we stayed with some friends for a while and they had Mario Kart and uh, I don't know which game it was, but I spent a quite a while on it and I am very, very bad at racing games. I want to just put that out there. So 
um, I generally do not enjoy them. <laughs> there was Unless one I'm allowed to just crash things a lot. There was one thing I forgot to mention. Mario Kart 64 actually had rubber banding characters, meaning like if you pass a character, they'd eventually pass you and it would go on. It's kind of an unfair concept. I think it's kind of in Mario Kart 7 as well. But anyway, that about wraps up this episode of Geeks and Games. Yoshimitsu, where can people find you? You guys can find me on Lego Ideas as hmm, that's a capital H followed by seven M's. Uh, follow me, support my products. That would be uh, very, very well appreciated. Uh, otherwise, I will be found most places uh, where our, as usual, late slash non-existent host, Plague Damp is. Where can people find you? Um, you can find me on the coding website Scratch as Woodstock05 and also on Lego Ideas as Woodstock05. Don't post much there. You can also find both me and Yoshimitsu on Plague Vamp's Discord server, the Shadow Den, which I'll link in the description. I'm Big R, and he's Big S because his name was originally Spectre Vamp, mine was originally Rhythm Vamp. And as for Plague Vamp, you can find him on YouTube and Twitch as just Plague Vamp. By the next episode, there's a guest that I want to invite. He might show up, he might, uh, not at all depends on if he's feeling up to it or not. But anyway, thank you for joining us for this episode. We will see you next week. Bye. Bye.